I want to tell you this too before we go on while you're turning. Reinhard Bonnke told Brother Copeland that, um, that now in his meetings, he has two campaigns every month. And they're, they're long. I don't know how long they last, but several days. And, and he, you know, when he says campaigns, he means like a, like a meeting, you know, several-day meeting. And he has two every month now, and he said now he's getting where in every campaign a million souls are saved. Family, if you don't believe that Jesus is coming back soon, a million at a time, it don't take long. And he's having a million or more in every campaign, and he's having two campaigns every month. And he's not the only evangelist in the world. How many of you know that? Okay, so turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, and it says, um, No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. Now, the word I have for you tonight, this is not what I'm going to preach about, but it ties in. But the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke to me, and, and we're going to talk about plans tonight and God's plans for your life and how to find out the plan and some things like that. And, uh, but when the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said that there's people missing opportunities that God has given them because they're entangled with the affairs of this life. People in this church, they're entangled with the affairs of this life. You have to interpret that yourself. I'm not going to try to interpret that for you. But that we're missing opportunities and that some people are even missing their destiny and the thing that they're called to. And they're going to end up in the rapture going... I didn't finish my course. You know, Paul said, I finished my course. I ran the race. I did what God called me to do. And this is what the Holy Spirit told me to tell you tonight, that if you don't get unentangled with the affairs of this life and get into that destiny that he has called you to get into, it's going to be all over. And I told you the Reinhard Bonnke story to show you how near it is that Jesus, to Jesus coming back. It's going to be all over, and you're going to have missed what God called you to do and not accomplished it. And so tonight, we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 15. We've been getting wisdom from Proverbs, and we're going to talk about some things concerning uh, finding the will of God, finding the plan of God, and finding um, your destiny and, uh, and, and doing that uh, and, and relating that to prayer. Proverbs 15, 8 says, uh, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. The prayer of the upright is his delight. God delights in our prayers. And I want to tell you something else. God doesn't just delight in us praying. He delights in answering our prayers. God delights to answer our prayers. And I'll tell you something else. He wants you to know that he's answered them. I, I, I have a bird feeder outside the window of my office, and it had run out of seed sometime last fall, and I had just not refilled it. And then I got to thinking I wanted to, get to feed the birds because I wanted to see the birds. So I stopped and I bought bird seed about three weeks ago. And I filled the bird feeder and no bird because they have come by all last fall and it was empty. And, you know, they'll eventually just go somewhere else, you know. Um, even birds are that smart. <laughs> if there's no food, they don't come. And so they didn't know there was food. They didn't know I went to the store and bought food. So I said, Lord, after a couple of days and I noticed there was no birds, I said, Lord, I'm asking you to show the little birds the food I've put in the feeder. And I forgot about praying that prayer. And about a week later, I was sitting at my desk, and I was just doing something on the computer or something, and I was not thinking about the little birds outside my window. Wasn't paying any attention. And all of a sudden, a little bird just flew into the window. I mean, not hard, but he just, you know, tapped the window so that I looked up and saw that my whole little bird feeder was covered in little birds with little red heads. Little, I had, I don't know what kind of bird it was, but it had little red heads. And you know, the Holy Spirit prompted me. He said, you know, I had to, that, that bird, I had to tell that bird to tell you that I answered your prayer. Wow. And if he, he, he wants us to know that he said he wants us to he wants us to pray and he wants us he wants to answer and he wants us to know that he has answered our prayer. 
turn to 1 John. Well, don't have to turn there because I'm going to read it in the Amplified Bible. So you can just listen because it reads different. 1 John 5. This is one of my most favorite scriptures in the whole Bible. I love this scripture. I speak this scripture out loud. I have it marked in my Bible and I just turn to it and I just thank God for it. And I just love it. And I usually read it in the King James, but I want to read it into the Amplified tonight. It says, 1 John 5, 14 says, and 15 says, And this is the confidence, the assurance, the privilege of boldness which we have in him. We are sure that if we ask anything, make any request according to his will in agreement with his own plan. Now that's the part I liked in the Amplified that I wanted to read tonight. In agreement with his own plan. In agreement with his own plan. Well, we know that he's got plans in here. He's got a plan of salvation. He's got a plan of redemption. He's got a plan for healing. He's got a plan. And so we know when we come for healing or any of the things that are in our redemption, man, we have it. He doesn't say, well, now, son, I'm going to need to wait a little while on that because I need to teach you a few things. He never says anything like that. He never withholds. You know, when somebody comes and says, uh, Jesus, come into my heart. He doesn't say in a year or two. What does he do? He comes in instantly, doesn't he? In a, in a twinkling of an eye, in a, he comes in, and, and that's the way healing is. He, now, sometimes we don't receive immediately, but it's not because God didn't release immediately. The receiving is our part. Pastor preached on that Sunday morning. The receiving is our part. And sometimes we have reasons we are not receiving very well. We could talk about that tonight, but I don't think we have time. But anyway, um, he says there that if we ask anything, make any request according to his plan, in agreement with his own plan. See, there's some other plans that we're going to have to find out in order to even pray. We've got to find out some plans, like, you know, we uh, plans for jobs, plans for businesses, plans for ministry. We can't even ask according to his will until we find out what the plan is. I, I like how Lynn Hammond says it. She says, you have to pray in order to pray. See, you've got to pray sometimes before you can pray. What do you pray sometimes just to find out what the will of God is so that you can go and pray and make the request or pray the prayer of faith? You can't pray the prayer of faith until you know the will of God. You know, and the, when we talk about praying the prayer of faith and believing that you receive when you pray, because you're going to pray something like, if it be thy will, because you don't know. And then you're not going to receive because that's doubt and unbelief. And so you've got to know. You've got to find out the plan of God. So when we make requests according to his, in agreement with his own plan, he listens to and hears us. And if since we positively know that he listens to us in whatever we ask, we also know with settled and absolute knowledge that we have granted us that we have granted us as our present possessions the request made of him that he they are our present possessions as soon as we ask because we know we've asked in the will of God and so the whole key is knowing that we're asking in the will of God turn to first John chapter 3 in verse 21 just back up a little bit there I'm going back to the King James now first John chapter 3 and verse 21 1 John chapter 3, verse 21 and 22. And here's now, here's one of the keys that keeps us from receiving. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence towards God. One of the things that keeps us from receiving when we ask, not God withholding, but just the fact that our heart's condemning us so we don't have any confidence toward him. Satan works full time to keep the church under condemnation. The Bible says, Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Amen? There's no condemnation if we walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. And so we're not supposed to be walking under condemnation, but I have found that the devil tries to make you feel guilty about everything. And me feel guilty, I mean you and me both, feel guilty about everything. He tries to undermine our confidence. Why? He knows if we ever get confidence towards God, we will have our prayers answered. We will receive easily if we have confidence towards God. But if he can tell us, well, now you can't be healed because, you know, because of what you did. 
And or you don't pray enough. I know he always likes to use the don't pray enough one. You know, or you you are 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 you could have prayed more. You know, you could pray all day. You could pray twenty hours. The devil always will say you could have prayed more. He will. He'll never say it's enough. He'll never say why because he operates under in condemnation. That's one of his favorite things to do to the church. Is he keeps the church saying I'm not worthy. I feel so unworthy. Of course, we know that feelings doesn't have anything to do with it and that we can feel unworthy and still know that we are worthy. I have a revelation that we are worthy by the blood of Jesus. We have to have a confidence. You know, being unworthy is really just unbelief. Being unworthy is really just believe, not believing that the blood of Jesus was really sufficient to take care of you. Being unworthy is really just not believing, 1 John 1, 9, that when we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's just another form of unbelief. Amen? And so the devil does, and the devil do, tries to get us to, you know, he baits us. He tries to get us to do wrong. He tries to get us to make the wrong decision, not choose life, and then he condemns us for not doing it. He'll, he'll, he'll in the morning, your alarm will go off and he'll say, oh, you need to sleep. Oh, you're tired. Oh, if you could just rest, you know. And he just put, oh, and man, and then the next thing you know, you feel condemned all day because you didn't pray. Right? Isn't that how he operates? Isn't that the realm he operates in? I want to tell you, we're not getting this by works. We're getting this by grace. We're not getting it by works. I don't care if you didn't pray for a month. God, Satan has no right to put anything on you. I don't care if you didn't pick your Bible up the hall last year. I don't care if it's got cobwebs attaching it to the floor of your house. You, God, Satan, you are a blood-bought child of God. Now, obviously, your faith is not going to be activated. But if you really get down to reality, Satan still has no right. Because you are blood-bought. The reason we read our Bibles is not to earn anything but to activate our faith. We read our Bibles because we want to stay in faith. We want to stay activated. We want to stay hot. Amen. And you can't stay hot and not out, stay out of the Word. You know how I know? Because I tried it. When I stay out of the Word, I get lukewarm. I don't, I'm not hot. And you know then when the devil comes, you know what? I feel unworthy. I mean, hallelujah. Listen, family, you might as well get prepared. You know, some of us wish, well, I just wish the devil had never come. He's coming. He's coming. The only way you can get the devil out of your life is to... Go check yourself into Magnolia Park Funeral Home and pick it out the casket and lay down in it. If you want to get rid of the devil, that's the only way you can. You are going to always have to be an overcomer in this earth. And God has given you every tool to do it. And we are not lacking. We are not, we don't just have half, halfway ability. We, we, are, we can walk so far above him. We can walk so far above Him and so He is so under our feet. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So um, we got to have these plans. And so I want to talk mostly tonight about how do we receive these plans. Turn to Proverbs chapter 20. We've been doing some work about the wisdom in Proverbs. Proverbs 20. Because all of us need to know the plan of God for our life. And we need to, we need it, it, it's progressive. You can't just one time when you're 16 realize, okay, God called me to the ministry. Well, I need to know a little more than that, don't I? Amen. Let's see, the ministry is kind of a broad thing. Or I know that when I was 16, the Lord told me I'd be a doctor. I, I need to know more. You know, I need more than that. Or maybe the Lord told you, like he told Leanne one time, I know he said, you're going to be the mother of, of what did he say, nations. Mother of nations. He, told, he spoke that as a word of prophecy, some speaker we had in. I believe it was Hayne Schurz. He has nations on his mind. <laughs> you know, and you can't take every word of prophecy that comes forth. I mean, every word of prophecy needs to bear witness to something God's already told you. Either that or you set it up on the shelf and say, okay, God, you're going to have to, uh, you know, I I'll wait on that until you show more light. But when somebody says, you know, you're going to be a missionary to Africa, the wrong thing to do is go sell your house and buy a ticket to Africa. 
if you never even thought of Africa, hallelujah. See, God don't need a prophet to tell you His will. But what He sends the prophet for is to confirm things to you, to help us. To help, it helps our faith. It helps us. It confirms. Amen? So He'll send the word. He'll send a, a, a word of... Um, He'll send a word of knowledge, word of wisdom, or a prophecy to confirm what he's already told you. And so, uh, but I need to know more. I mean, that's pretty vague. I mean, mother of nations, you know, that, you know, and, and other things that you got. You know, it could be pretty vague. Even, uh, I've called you to pastor. That's vague, isn't it? I mean, okay, where? Okay, you know. When do I start? How do I get there? How do I train? What do, you know, uh, what do I do next? And so I need to know the plans of God. And the same with prosperity. Prosperity is not prosperity comes from within, but prosperity comes from a plan that you walk out with God. And so if you want to prosper, you got first of all, first of all, you got to tithe. That's already written in the book, that part of the plan. Then you've got to sow seed. That's already in the book. And you have you got to sow. You've got to sow seed so that you get a seed time and harvest, uh, uh, a cycle going in your life where you put seed in the ground and you get harvest coming back to you. That's in the book. But then there's more. You know, there's different people prospering, doing different things. I mean, some people are making millions doing some of the strangest things. Would you agree? Amen. The things that you who would have ever thought that could have been a business, right? And uh, uh, you got so you so it's not just enough to know God wants to prosper you, is it? You got to know some details. You got to know some timing. You've got to know some. You you got to have some. You have got to have some major revelation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not enough for Karen just to know I'm going to be a teacher. Well, okay, grades one through twelve or college. You know she's got to know some things. What subject? You know, and some people just say, well, okay, God, I'll be a teacher. I could just teach them all. Well, not really. I mean, she's not going to ever be very good if she just, unless God's just called her to teach first grade reading, writing, arithmetic, you know, and you can teach them all in that sense. But you know what I'm saying? She's got to, she's got to find the will of God. And she's done a good job of that. I'm just using her as an example. But she's got to find out the plan. Because in the plan is her prosperity. It's her destiny. In, her, in the plan is also her joy, her happiness, the thing that's going to fulfill her, the things that's going to satisfy her. Amen. And you know, God can interrupt the plan at any time. You know, Rick Renner, I don't know if some of you heard of Rick Renner. Anyway, he's a preacher, and he was a traveling preacher, an evangelist, and he said he lived in Southern Hills Country Club in Tulsa. That's a really nice place to live. And, uh, <laughs> and he said that uh, uh, he, a, a minister friend of his called him and asked him to go on a missions trip to Russia. And he said he did not want to go. He, didn't, he said, I don't want to go go on mission trips. I don't even like missionaries, Lord. And he said he had about nine missionaries in his family, and the missionaries he knew, he had them nicknamed Moochinaries. And uh, <laughs> now that was his perspective. Now I don't know any like that, but I'm sure that's true in some realms. But anyway, he said he didn't want anything. He said, uh, this preacher friend of him said, okay, you just live in your house in Southern Hills uh, Country Club and you just, you just sit there by the pool and drink soda while the world goes to hell. And I guess kind of used a condemnation method and he said he felt so guilty when they said that, that guy said that that he said, okay, I'll go on the mission trip to Russia. But he said he told the Lord on the plane over there, he said, Lord, I want you to know this is my one and only mission trip that I will ever take. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so uh, he got to Russia and they had a meeting and it came his turn to preach. And the moment he stepped into the pulpit, he said he heard the Holy Spirit say, welcome to your new home. So, you know, Karen can make all the plans in the world to be a mathematics teacher. But one day God may say, Karen, and give her some. And, he, and, he, and he, God reserves the right to do that in our lives, you know. And he said, you could have knocked him over with a feather. He was so shocked. But anyway, and, and some of you know the story, uh, story that Rick Renner moved, moved to Latvia. And I don't remember the name of the town right now, but he moved to Latvia. And he built the 
they don't build churches in Russia. You don't understand. They don't build church buildings. In the town he was in, a church had not been built in 60 years. And, uh, and he moved there and he built a $4 million building in Latvia. And he said he invited Brother Copeland and several people over to help dedicate the, the uh, <coughs> building. And he uh, stepped into the pulpit of his new building the first day they're going to dedicate it. And the Lord said, give this church to your associate and move to Moscow and do it again. See, God reserves the right to interrupt and give us a new plan. Amen? But he, we, it's our responsibility. Now, you know, those kind of things are God's responsibility. But it's our responsibility to find the now plan until God says something. Amen? And the thing we do now, I have found, always prepares us for the thing we'll do then. Rick Renner, if you know him about him, he is a very big into languages. And, and he studied the Greek extensively. And, and if you ever listen to him teach, it's nearly, um, it's like going to a Greek classroom because he breaks every scripture down into this word means this and that word means that. And it can be very interesting, but it's, 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 it's in depth anyway. But he said he noticed, it, one of the shocking things is he studied all this Greek and the first time he picked up a Russian Bible and he didn't even know this and I didn't know this, but he said the Russian language is just nearly exact. He could literally read it because it's nearly so, it's so close to Greek. And, uh, and so he said he, there were some words he couldn't read, but you know he literally could make out the verses because of having studied Greek. See, the plans you pray out and the things that you do, even, one day God will connect all the dots, like a dot-to-dot -dot picture, and he'll connect all the dots and the things you've done and the things you've prepared for. And I'll tell you this, even God's the kind of God that takes your mistakes and he'll even use your mistakes later on in your ministry. Now, he didn't plan for you to have this failure of a mistake so that he could use it. You understand that. He's just a good God that takes our mistakes and factors them in to what he's called us to do in our lives. Family, it's time for us to get on with God's God's called us to do because time is short. Jesus is coming back. And if the American Christians don't disentangle themselves from all the little affairs of life, the little things, you know, we, there's so many things for kids to do and so many things for youth to do and so many things for even adults to do. If we don't disentangle ourselves from some of that stuff so that we can find and do the destiny on our life, we'll go up in the rapture, we'll stand before God, and he will not say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Like somebody said, he's just going to say, well well, all you did was Boy Scouts and Lions Club and PTA. And, you know, I don't want to stand. i got to disentangle myself. And that could be on any level. It could be disentangling ourselves from TV, disentangling ourselves even from CNN, dis disentangling ourselves from, you may be reading material. I don't know what all we might need to disentangle ourselves from. But all of us on some level need to disentangle Amen. So we can get the destiny prayed out so we can get it done because time is short. Amen. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I want to fulfill the destiny on my life. Romans 8. Romans 8, verse 14. Well, you know, most of the time, mostly why Christians don't know what they're supposed to do in their destiny is because they're trying to figure it out with their head. Well, Romans 8, 14 says... For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. We could say that a different way. We could flip-flop that scripture around, and it would be just as good if we said, the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. Amen? The Bible says we're a son of God. If you are a son of God, if you've been born again, you have the capacity to be led by the Spirit of God, and that is the only way that God is ever going to lead you is by the Spirit. In other words, by your spirit on the inside of you. He's not going to communicate to your head. I don't care. You can take every course that University of Alabama has, and when you finish those, go enroll in Auburn and take every one they have, and then you can go and take every 
go to every graduate school in the nation and you won't be any closer to knowing the will of God. You will not know more than than. You've got to find it out in the spirits, what I'm telling you. It's going to be God communicating and speaking to your spirit. You can't think it out. You can't reason it out. You can't go to any uh, counselor in town and find it out. You've got to be led by the Spirit of God, and you've got to do whatever it takes to do to get led by the Spirit of God. Amen? Well, we're talking about prayer tonight, and that's one of the main ways. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 we got to quit looking around the church, seeing what brother and sister so-and-so did or what they're mad about and start being led by the Spirit of God. Amen? If we're going to fulfill the destiny on our life. As ministers, we can't look across town and see what this church is doing and they've got a big youth program or that church is doing and they've got this. We've got to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? And we, I tell you what, you don't pick your church, in case you didn't know this, you don't look at a church and say, oh, I want to go to that church because they got a good youth program. You don't pick a church and say, I want to go to that church because, man, did you know that they have a, for children in, boy, they got a, uh, one of them blow-up things with, with balls in it or something in the back. I'm going to take, I'm going to go to that church because they have that. You know, that might be one way to get people here and I'm all for it. If it'll get them here, let's put a ball thing in the back and, and you know, hey, I'm for it. I'm not against those things, but I want to tell you something for the sons of God who are led by the Spirit of God, that's not how we find our church. The way we find our church is to find our pastor. We don't look for the building. We don't look for the we don't look for what kind of programs they have. Those things will take care of themselves. If we find our pastor, I'm telling you, it'll be well with our family. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Okay, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 16. Um, <clears throat> but as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Now, when he says heart there, he's talking about the soul realm. Mind, will, and emotions. We talked about that the other week, that heart involves the spirit and the soul. And so, I hath not seen, your natural eye, ear has not heard, your natural ear, neither have entered into the soul of man, mind, will, or emotions, the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his spirit. See, God's not hiding them, but he's revealing to them to us by his spirit. And as many as are the sons of God are led by the spirit of God. So the sons of God are supposed to know what God has prepared for them, aren't they? For the spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of a man which is in him. In other words, what it's saying is, the only person that really knows you is your spirit. Amen. Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. And the spirit of God knows the mind and heart of God. And the spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, is the only one that knows the mind and heart of God, right? Now, we have received not the spirit of the world but the Spirit which is of God. Here is your Spirit. Here's the Holy Ghost. We received Him. You've got the Spirit of God inside of you. So you have the capacity to know what God has prepared for you, to know the mind and the will of God for your life. Now we have received not the Spirit of God, the world, I'm in verse 12, but the Spirit which of, is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Listen to this, verse 13. Which things... Also, we speak not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth. These things that God has prepared for us by the Spirit of God cannot be spoken with natural human words, natural human languages, but which the Holy Ghost, the words which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. The way that you're going to find out the plan and the things that God has for you is not with natural human language. I can't communicate it to you. I can't tell you. You can't go to a counselor and him tell you. You can't go to the banker. You can't go to a lawyer and him tell you. You can't go to Dr. Phil. If you can meet with Dr. Phil personally, he can't tell you. Now, I'm not saying he doesn't have some good ideas, but he can't tell you the plan of God for your life. It's not going to come with natural words. 
It's going to come with the words the Holy Ghost gives. I want to tell you something tonight you may not realize, but there is no man or woman on earth that has ever completed their destiny and done what God wanted them to do in the completeness of it without the baptism of the Holy Ghost and speaking in other tongues. It is impossible to do. Because it's not with words which man teach, but with the words the Holy Spirit gives. And y'all, they've hit, some of them have done a pretty good job with that of it, done some monumental things, done some good things. But think how much more they could do if they, would, they had utilized the tools that God gave us to know His will and to receive from the Spirit, which are those words that are from the Holy Ghost. Family, that's how we're going to find out the plan of God, is by praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen? But as we pray in the Holy Ghost, um, our spirit is enlightened. Our spirit is enlightened. Now, when we come to church, and I'm preaching to you under the anointing of God tonight. I don't know if you know this, but this is not Debbie Billings talking. This is the Holy Spirit talking, just using Debbie Billings' voice. And, of course, he's using my personality, and he's using my intellect, too. But he's speaking. This is not man's words. I couldn't talk this fast and say this much. I can't do it on my own. And... So, yes, God can use these words because they're not really natural human words in the total sense of it to give you a clue, to get you started on a path, to give you some help, to give you a boost up, to give you some revelation. But when it comes right down to it, that's still not going to be enough to get you into your destiny and into the plan God has for your life. You have to pray it out. You will have to speak in tongues. Amen? Praise God. Okay. <clears throat> Uh, 1 Corinthians, oh, I'm not through reading there, am I? Okay, verse 14. But the, but the soul man, it says the natural man, but I wrote in soul man. But the soul man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. In other words, you're not going to receive it with your mind. You can sit and think till your brain fries. It's so overloaded. You've thought so hard and so long. And you will not figure out the will of God and the plan of God. You can study everything that man has written on the subject that you think you're supposed to be studying on and you will not discover the plan and the will of God. You will miss your destiny. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things. You know, he that's spiritual, he that's walking in the Spirit, he that's being led by the Spirit, he that is uh, receiving his revelation from the Spirit, he doesn't have any trouble figuring out the will of God. He judgeth all things. He knows the will of God when he sees it. He knows God when he sees it. You know, Brother Hagin always says, that man wouldn't have known God if he is walking down the street with a red hat on. Listen, the spiritual man that has learned to be led by the Spirit, prayed in the Spirit until he's gotten his Spirit strong and activated, and he, he, knows when, he knows when he goes to church, that's God. He knows when he walks in the room. He knows. He knows. He judgeth all things. And he's not just saying, well, I didn't like that. I, you know, it's not a critical judgment. It's He knows. He knows. He knows. You know, the man that's full of the Holy Ghost, you know, I know one, we had a church member one time, and he always said, I, I'm scared of Miss Debbie because I think she knows all my sins and everything and everything. Well, you know, in truth, I didn't, but in truth, really, the spiritual man know, does know those things. I mean, he may know, not know exactly, but I can tell when somebody's lost. You can tell by looking at them. When you're sensitive to the Holy Ghost and you've built yourself up in the Spirit, you can tell by looking at them if they're lost. It's nearly like they got a little line across the top of their face. It's lost. And you can, and you don't sense, you don't know everything. But I can tell you, you're not walking around in this world wondering. Amen. And. Uh, <clears throat> says, yet he himself is judged of no man. You know what? When you're being led by the Spirit, no man can say, he shouldn't do that. He ought not to go there. He shouldn't, he, he, you know, that, that's the wrong move. He's going to lose all his money. No, you won't be able to be judged by any man. Oh, they'll judge, but they're not going to know 
See, they're not going to discern it. They're not going to be able to judge truthfully where you're concerned. That's why you can't consult them. Oral Roberts told Brother Copeland, you've heard this story many, many years ago, probably several of you have already heard this many times, but I know I've heard it many times. Brother Copeland was Brother Oral Roberts' driver, as you know, and flew his plane for him when he was first getting started in the ministry. And he said one day Brother Oral uh, uh, was reading his book. He never talked to you when he was driving. He was reading his book. And uh, Brother Oral said, reached over there and said, Kenneth? And Kenneth said he about jumped through the roof of the car, you know. And Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Copeland said, he said, uh, find out the will of God for your life. Find out what you're supposed to do. In fact, he said later, he said it this way, find out where you fit in. You got to find where you fit in this whole world thing. You know, he said, find out where you fit in. Find out the will of God for your life. Confer not with flesh and blood. And do whatever it takes to get it done. Whatever it takes, whatever price. See, once you know, now, when you're finding the will of God, and you're, you may confer with some spiritual men, and you may, you may talk about, so, until, while you're forming up, but the will of God for your life, if it's go to Africa, you don't ask anybody anymore. You don't go, because you know there's been many a mama that has thwarted the plans of God, because the son went home and he said, Mama, God called me to go to India to the mission field. Well, there's no mama on earth that can stay in the spirit all the time. Now, a lot of mamas, you know, they're in there. You know, I, I get in the spirit and I can be a mama in the spirit. But, you know, when your son tells you he's going to the mission field in India, unless you're really a spiritual mama, the flesh is going to kick in and say, That's my baby. And then it's going to be, I've heard this one before. What if I die while you're over there and you won't even get to come to the funeral? And see, your family and a lot of other people in the world, they're not ever going to discern and know and agree with what you God's told you to do. What God's told you to do, Wall Street might not agree with. The stock market might not agree with it. Your stockbroker might say, no, 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 don't put it in that stock. But if God's told you, amen, being led by the Spirit of God, you're always going to find, the devil will find somebody to disagree with you. Amen. When you feel like you've heard God, the devil tries to stop it before it gets started again. Amen. 1 Corinthians 14, 14. Hallelujah. Glory, glory. 4. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth. I want to tell you something right there. That answers a lot of questions. If I pray in tongues, what's happening? You know, some people say, what good is tongues? Right there's the answer. If I pray in tongues, my spirit prayeth. If I pray in tongues, I'm praying. What's more, I'm praying a language the devil does not understand. He cannot intercept and interpret. And even better than that, I can't intercept it and interpret it. And uh, uh, I can't interpret it if the Lord gives me the interpretation. But in other words, I can't, I can't pray my will on it. I can't put my, you know, we want to pray our will into things sometimes. Amen. We want to pray our thoughts into things sometimes. And God has a lot of times a better way. Well, He always has a better way. 14, 14. Um, <clears throat> For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. So, you know, we're not to throw out praying in English. Actually, the, let me tell you, the highest thing in the world you can do is to pray in tongues and what the Holy Ghost speaks to you as you pray in the Spirit. Then speak that out in English. Then pray that out because then you are praying the mind of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And we've been taught that before. Isaiah 28, 11. Family, if you're baptized in the Holy Ghost and you speak with other tongues... 
then there's no excuse for not knowing the will of God. And I will tell you this, it is progressive, and it is like a flower that unfolds, a rose that blooms. As you, it, uh, it's like, a, a, it's like a, you know, those uh, vertical blinds that are used when they're shaved. Y'all know what I'm talking about when I talk about vertical blinds that hang in the window? Not many blinds, but the vertical kind. It, it's like, it opens, and it, you know, at first you can just see a little bit, and then it opens some more, and you can see more. You know what I'm saying? And that's the way the revelation of God is. That's the way the plan of our life. You know, if God told you what you, if, if he God told, you know, if God had told me in 1980 we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, begin to really believe God to know his will. Really wanted to know his will. Wanted to be sensitive to the Spirit. Oh, God, show us your will. You know, just crying out to God and praying. And, uh, you know, he didn't say a lot. And he began to give us some hints then and, Let's see, I believe it was the early part of 1982 that we were going to be pastoring a church. Uh, but you know, if he had right then said, now you're going to move to Alabama <laughs> and you're going to pass, you're going to travel for a year and then you're going to, and you're going to live in Birmingham, Alabama. Well, not that there's anything wrong with Birmingham, you know. Because we lived there a year and a half. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. But if God had told me that in 1982, where I was in my maturity level, and at that level of, of even my faith, I'd have jumped ship right then. Amen. I'd have said, no way. And that's why we are. So God doesn't show us the whole plan at once. Because you want to tell you something? The plan is awesome. The plan is great. The plan is... You, you never would have dreamed you could be what the Spirit of God has dreamed for you to be. You never would have dreamed that you could do and say what God has said you can, you, he'll, he'll use you to do and say. You couldn't see it in yourself. I know in, 19, uh, in 80 and 82, right in there, we, see my grandmother, she was a Baptist lady, and my grandfather's a Baptist deacon, and she just out on her ranch seeking God, just her heart turned toward God, got slain in the Spirit and baptized in the Holy Ghost just on her own. Nobody prayed for her or anything. She didn't even really know what had happened to her. And then she kind of began to hear rumors of full gospel businessmen. This was like in the 60s. She began to hear rumors of full gospel businessmen and went to some of those meetings and figured out what happened to her. Found some people. of, And my grandfather's fighting it the whole time because he's a Baptist deacon and they're going to, you know, they don't like that kind of stuff. And didn't, really didn't like it in the 60s and 70s. You ought to say. I mean, one time he even locked her in the closet for speaking in tongues, you know. And uh, he, he, he really, he, and one time I remember when I was in high school, he said to me, he said, he said, Debbie, you need to talk to your grandmother you know he thought she was off her rocker off the deep end I mean she's ruining their life she's ruining their their testimony in the Baptist church she's ruining life for him and uh, because she's baptized in the Holy Ghost and so you know not, and so in 1980, she was responsible uh, in an indirect way for getting us filled with the Holy Ghost. She began to give us books and stuff, which we didn't read, didn't, wasn't interested. Uh, but she planted those books into our house. And, you know, I heard her talk about PTL Club. And so I got pregnant with Colin and quit my job at the carbon plant and, and came home. And so nothing else to do all day. You're pregnant. So I watched PTL Club in the morning. I heard Brother Oral the first. I heard Brother Oral teach on seed faith, and so I planted a seed in PTL Club. I heard him preach, and so I sent a seed in because I'd never heard seed faith before. And so on it had prayer request. They then they send you back something. You know when you send in money, they're going to start sending you stuff. So they sent me something for prayer request, and I'd heard enough about baptism in the Holy Ghost that I wrote on the prayer request thing. Pray I receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I didn't even really know what it was. But I said, you know, I had heard enough to know that there was something out there. So they sent books back on the baptism of the Holy Ghost. You know, they do read the mail. They did read the mail at PTL. They don't read it anymore. But uh, anyway, uh, it don't exist anymore. We went. We went to Fort Mill when we was over in, uh, by Charlotte just to see. And it's gone. It's just gone. But anyway, it was still a blessing. Just because the devil got in, that place was a blessing. But anyway, we got baptized in the Holy Ghost, and I'm telling all this, but I remember my grandmother and her friend was driving down the road after I was baptized in the Holy Ghost, and they started talking about wanting to go to Israel. And I said, oh, you can't go to Israel. And Granny said, why not? And I said, because you can't leave me. 
You know, see, so if God had told me I was moving to Birmingham, I couldn't let my grandmother go to Israel. I, you know, I was a baby Christian. I was new. I was just new in this stuff. I was relying on her every day to help me, just to, you know, to help me to, to just, you know, know ever to pray. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know how to do anything. So, see, God couldn't show me in 1981 and 82. He could he? Could he have showed me I was going to Birmingham, Alabama? Oh. Hallelujah. It took him a year when I, I, in 1995 when he started talking about it. He had to talk a whole year for me to receive it then. So your revelation of what God has for you, your destiny is going to be progressive because I'm telling you, you're much more than you think you are. You're much greater than you think you are. The Bible says in 1 John, it has not been revealed yet what you shall be. Amen. And you know, sometimes as we pray and we are in the Spirit, we get little glimpses and we know, we know then a little direction how to pray. God will give us direction. And we need to pursue those things. Isaiah 28 verse 11 says, For with stammering lips and another tongue will He speak to this people. Well, that's plain. How's He going to speak to you? We have the stammering lips, not him. We're the ones that have the other tongue, but that's how he's going to speak to his people. I'd never seen that verse like that before, but it's there. Then turn to Romans chapter 8. We're kind of back and forth looking at some scriptures. We need to be praying in tongues, family. That's the only way that we're going to find the destiny. That's the only way that we're going to get the destiny. You know, uh, when God shows you what you're going to do. Okay, you're going to be a traveling evangelist. Well, I tell you what, the only way you're going to figure out the, the, the next step is to pray in the Spirit. That's all. That's it. That's it. That's how you're going to figure out the next step for business. That's, going to, that's how you're going to figure out the next step for your education. What courses to take next year? That's, the, that's how you're going to figure out, you know, what are you going to do when you graduate? I'm talking to Jonathan now. <laughs> right? Aren't you fixing to graduate? Pretty quick. He's, what's the next step? Amen? How are you going to find it? You're going to find it by praying in the Spirit. That's how Karen's going to find the next step. That's how we're going to find out. That's how we find out what our kids need to do, what school they need to be in. I know when Colin was in the fourth grade, I'm, you know, just seeking God, just loving God, not particularly seeking anything. And there was a Christian school in our town, but it was ran by a Pentecostal-type church. It was called Bible Way, actually kind of a small denomination. And, uh, and, but it's kind of a, it was Pentecostal, had a Pentecostal slant to it. And I'm minding my own business. Didn't really have a lot of respect for the church, to tell you the truth. But I'm just, one day I heard the Holy Spirit say, put Colin in Christian school. So I meditated. I didn't really want to say that, so I meditated on it about two weeks. I didn't say much. You know, just kind of let it simmer. And so one day I got my nerve up and I said to Michael, I said, uh, I think I heard the Holy Spirit say, put Colin in Christian school. He said, you know, I heard the same thing. So when Colin was in the fourth grade in about October of that year, we pulled him out of public school. Oh, it was a real popular thing to do. Because you understand, we lived in the county in Texas that had the third uh, most prosperous school in the whole state of Texas. It was an oil field town, lots of oil money. And so had really nice, nice schools. Really rich, 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 rich schools. And uh, they, you know, in Tuscaloosa, does anybody want to say what they worship in Tuscaloosa? Football. Okay. You know what they worshipped in Seminole? Those schools. The socially high people were the teachers in Seminole. Usually teachers are kind of low men on the totem pole because they don't usually make very much. Actually, I found the quality of education, even with the richness of schools, to be better in Alabama. Why? Because the teachers in Alabama, you got to be called to want to teach here. Because they don't pay you much. But they paid big in Seminole. It was big money. And it was... They had everything money could buy. It was not a popular decision in any realm to pull Colin out of Christian out of public school and put him into Christian school. But we heard the Holy Spirit, Amen, and so we obeyed Him. Glory to God. Um, where are we at? Romans eight, verse twenty-six. You don't get these plans from your mind. My mind would have told me totally opposite. My mind would have said, uh, 
a whole lot of, you know. And I'm going to tell you something. When you hear from the Lord, we didn't go to Colin and say, Colin, would you like to go to Christian school? Parents, when you've heard from God, you, know, you can't ask your children. Amen. And we didn't go to our parents and say, because uh, my, my parents live there, his parents live there. Actually, both sets of my parents. My parents are divorced. And so I have, my, uh, Michael says I have two mother-in-laws and ought to be against the law. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, we didn't go to them and say, what do y'all think about us putting uh, Colin in Christian school, out in Bible way school? Where I think there's about what, maybe well, 25 students? Was that about how big it was? I don't remember. Not very big, I can tell you. And did they have any money? No. Their teachers weren't even paid, I don't think. No, I don't think they were. I think they were all volunteer. I mean, there was not there wasn't any money. Now they did charge tuition, but I what? I mean, 20 students a $100 a month, you know, or something. But I tell you, in 19, I'll tell you this part. And then later on, they decided to quit their Christian school, and we, uh, they said they were going to quit, and so we got it from God to start a Christian school in our church, and we did, and, and they ended up not quitting, as it turned out, but um, they had told us that summer that they were going to quit, so we started ours up. And in 1993, the Lord said, close your Christian school. Holy Ghost again speaking to us. So that wasn't real popular because by that time, you know, you have people that really are into your school. But we closed our Christian school. Colin was a junior. He had already completed, he had all the credits he needed to graduate. He had taken every course already because you move at your own speed in our school. And so, and, and we were a very diligent school. We gave them uh, CAT tests every year. We did all the testing. We didn't. We were not a slough off school. I know there's every kind in the world, but uh, we were diligent. And uh, so uh, he had already taken the ACT, the SAT. He had already his junior year. Uh, and so we gave him his choice: go to Rama. He, he was 17 years old. He was too young to go to a university. Uh, we did not want him in a state-run university because we knew he would encounter things at 17 that he was not old enough to re respond to rightly. And so we gave him your choice. You can go to Rama if they'll let you in. You're supposed to be 18. If they'll let you in, you can go there or you can go to Seminole High School and just take a senior year even though you don't need it and just go take some courses and graduate there. So he made the decision to graduate in, in Seminole High School. I'll tell you, we made the right decision. He had... He had a bigger, better grade point average than uh, everybody in Seminole High School. He had the highest SAT score of all the seniors in Seminole High School. Now, I'm not, I attribute that to several things. One, our school was diligent, but two, he is intelligent, you know, and he did apply himself. And so, but I'm telling you, obeying God always works out, always turns out. Now, it, his scores were so high and his grade point average was so high that literally, and we didn't ever say anything about it or anything, but they had to finagle. I mean, the, the, the principal looked at his grade point average and he said, I just want you to know he cannot be valedictorian because he has to go here more than just this last year to be that. And they finagled his grade point to make him come in several, several down the way because they couldn't take it. And then I think he spent the whole year and didn't study either, and so that probably helped his grade point average get back down where went back in the normal range. He didn't study that whole year that he went um, to public school. Romans 8, 26, 28. But I just want to tell you, following the will of God is good. Amen? And it's good for your, it, it was good for him. It was a blessing for his life. It was good for us. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities or our weaknesses, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints. How? According to the will of God. And this is how we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. You know, we throw that little scripture around. You know, that is one of the most abused scriptures in the whole New Testament, that last one. All things work together for good. Your kid just had a car wreck and got killed. All things work together for good. Family, that's not what that verse says. Amen. First of thing, first of all, all things don't work together for good except for 
the people that are praying in the Spirit, we just read all about how He prays through us. He prays through us, helping our weaknesses, helping our infirmities. And He just said, for those that are called according to His purpose. When we get into the purposes and the plans of God and we begin to pray in the Spirit, then all things will begin to work together for good for us. Because we love God. Loving God is not the only condition there. Amen. Amen. Okay, turn to 1 Corinthians. Mm. Ooh, this is going to be interesting. 1 Corinthians 2. The typist had a little problem here. I've got 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 307. So we'll see what scripture it is. Okay. First, okay. 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 It's verse 3 through 7. Just figured it out. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 3. And I was with you in weakness, Paul is talking here, and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor of the princes of this world that come to naught. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. Now verse 7 is the key verse. What Paul tells us in verse 7, first of all he talks about how that he preaches wisdom of God and that he's not preaching just with enticing words of man's wisdom. But in verse 7 he tells us how he gets his wisdom. It says, but we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. This is talking about praying in the Spirit. Even the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world unto our glory. God's wisdom is hidden. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. When you pray in tongues, you're speaking mysteries. When you pray in tongues, you're praying out mysteries. Your life may be a mystery. What God wants you to do next week may be a mystery, but when you pray in tongues, you're praying out mysteries. Amen? Amen? Praise God. One more scripture and then we'll go. I'm going to read it to you. John 16. Out the Amplified. Or we'll do something else. We may not go, but we're going to do something else. John 16, 13. I could, not ta- I, I could stand up here all night and tell you examples of God getting His revelation to us, things that changed our life. Everything from buying houses to buying cars. Uh, how to buy houses, how to buy cars, when we had no money. I know when we lived in Trustville, we were believing God to move to uh, Tuscaloosa. You know, and uh, when Pastor, uh, I know we, um, one morning I was praying in the Spirit, and, uh, and pa- Pastor was down in his office studying, and Eric had gone to school, and, uh, and we were already pastoring over here, but we were driving back and forth. And the Lord said, go to Tuscaloosa and find your home and buy without money. Well, that was good because we didn't have any. You know, Isaiah says you can buy without money. And you know, uh, I've told this story so many times, but there's a few new ones here, so I can say it again. But you know, we came and we, we found a house. And, and we, uh, well, actually, we looked at a lot of houses. We had a realtor, but it just wasn't working with that realtor. And so we pulled up at a house on Saturday evening about 7 o'clock. It was summer, so it was light late. And uh, it had a for sale sign and... and uh, and Ken Falt was on the, that was the realtor. He was on the, so we just called him. Michael just went and found a Tuscaloosa phone book and called him at home. And, you know, Ken Falt, he likes to sell houses. Boy, I tell you, I never saw a realtor like to sell houses anymore. He'd, he, he would leave his mother's funeral. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, I'm not slamming him. I mean, he's really a go-getter is my point. And anyway, he, uh, I'm not putting out a recommendation or anything. I'm just telling you, he broke up his hamburger supper with his family and came and showed us a house. And so the Lord, we got home, and the Lord, and you know, it wasn't a house necessarily that I would have picked out, but the Lord said, when he got home, the Lord said, that's, that's the house. That's the house. And it was a new house, and Pete Cavard had built it, and it had been on the market well over a year, and nobody had bought it. And, um, and the Lord said, that's the house. Well, we had this little problem. We owned a house in Trustville. We hadn't sold it. We didn't even have a contract on it. We had it for sale by owner. We also had another little problem. School was going to start at Hillcrest High School on uh, uh, August 12th, and we needed to live here so Eric could go to school. And so we basically made an offer on the house, and Pete Cafford accepted the offer. And, uh, but we still weren't approved for the loan, 
And we didn't have any money or anything, but we basically just stuck out our hand and said, give us the keys, we're moving in. Well, I don't, I don't know if you know, and some of you may not know this, but builders do not do this in the natural. They sometimes will let you rent a house before you can buy it, but they always want you to be approved for the loan first. And we weren't even approved for the loan. And so we moved in. Hallelujah. See, the Holy Ghost has ways. Don't ever say, well, I don't have the money. You know, I know I was thinking today, my dad for years went around saying, Seagraves, that's the town I grew up in, Seagraves needs a car wash. I bet for 15 years he said, you know Seagraves ought to have a car wash. I was thinking about how God gives us opportunities and we pass them up. And you know, I know what my dad thought. I don't have the money to put a car wash in. But I tell you, my dad was well thought of, well respected in the town. Everybody knew him, town of 2,500 people. I guarantee you, I bet if he had tried, he could have got the money to build that car wash. Well, after about 15 years of thinking there ought to be a car wash in Seagraves, a man named Donnie Taylor put a car wash in in Seagraves. To this day, it's the only car wash in Seagraves. And you know what? Donnie Taylor laughs all the way to the bank every Monday morning. All the way to the bank every Monday morning. See, we pass up opportunities. We say things to ourselves like, yeah, but I don't have the money. We have a, a desire comes up in our heart for a house. And we say, yeah, but I don't have the money. Yeah, but I could never be approved for a loan. I've seen some people with some mighty big opposition get approved for some loans before. We say things like, you know, yeah, but I don't have the down payment. See, we, we rationalize and make excuses that wiggle us right out of the blessings of God and the opportunities of God. Malachi says, when you bring the tithe into the storehouse, the windows of heaven are opened over you. He pours out a blessing that you'll not even be able to receive it. That word blessing is actually the, Greek, the Hebrew word benediction, which means a, a spoken word or an opportunity. In other words, he, when you tithe, he's not going to send money in the mail as a general rule. Let's just put it this way, 99.9% .9 of the time, it's not going to come that way most of your money. He may send some sometimes that way, and we're sure not against it. Amen? But he's going to give us opportunities. But most of the body of Christ sees the opportunity, either two things, either they don't see it, and so they pass it up, or they see it and they rationalize it away. There's no way I could do that. God's never shown anybody an opportunity that he hadn't already figured out the way you could do it. Hallelujah. If you'll believe him and if you'll get over in the spirit and pray in the Holy Ghost like I'm telling you to do. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you're retired or as my little grandfather used to say, I'm retarded. That was a bad confession. <laughs> but when he retired, he used to say, I'm retarded. Uh, <laughs> And he, they go down to senior citizens and eat, ever, eat lunch every day, you know, in little towns. I don't know if there's that way in Tuscaloosa, but in little towns, there's a senior citizen center, and the government subsidizes it, and they can go pay $2 or something and eat lunch every day. Well, they go the, and my grandfather called it the poor folks home. Uh, his confession was not, <laughs> I don't recommend that you confess over yourself everything he did, but hallelujah. He was, a, he was cute, though. He was sweet and funny. <laughs> and considering all the bad confessions he made, he lived to be pretty old <laughs> and in pretty good health. Praise God. Hallelujah. But, um, hallelujah, what was I going to say? Opportunities. No matter how old you are, God has opportunities to make you wealthy. God has opportunities to bless you. Amen. I'll tell you something else. It doesn't matter how young you are. God's not against teenage millionaires. Hallelujah. I was heard about some kid over in Birmingham that's got him some big business going, and it's something to do with for sale by owner houses or something. Man, he's just raking it in. Some teenager over in Hoover just got him an idea and just works on it in his spare time. I tell you what, I think that'd be so much. I, I, I'd rather see our kids do things like that than some of the things that we involve them in. Let's teach our kids to pray in the Holy Ghost and find the plan of God. Amen. I bet you that kid's a Christian. John 16, I'm not there yet. Verse 13. Hallelujah. See, when you don't have music, you get to preach longer. John 16, 13. We don't turn out early. You wouldn't have thought that, would you? <laughs> you thought that, Karen? 
<laughs> Hallelujah. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole full truth. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. He will honor and glorify me because he will take of receive, draw upon what is mine, and will reveal, declare, disclose, and transmit it to you. The Spirit of Truth, that's his job. That's his job to give you the message. To show you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. To reveal them, to declare them, and to disclose them, and to transmit them to you. See, we get activated in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's bow our heads tonight. I don't know if you had fun tonight, but I had a real good time. Oh, praise God. And I don't know about you, but I...